This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the Kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Dime Dropper Post Game Lives. Live from Los Angeles, as always. You know the drill before we get started. Social media, follow your boy. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. And subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, which we're on. Hit the notification bell so you know every single time I post a video. And subscribe to Locked On Clippers for all things Clippers five days a week. want to apologize to my Laker fans tonight. I was not able to watch the game. I coached two games today. Won them both. Shout out to my guys. Not my middle school team, my park teams. Shout out to them. And... I came home, had my recording set. Sadly, my dickhead friends in Massachusetts wanted to try to spoil the game for me because they were too butthurt. Their Celtics got their asses smacked in the fucking face. How about that? How about that, son? We didn't even play that great. That's the crazy part. We didn't have Zubats. They didn't have Porzingis. And we didn't even play that great. James Harden was 2 for 11. Doesn't mean he played bad. Russell Westbrook was 2 for 9. He wasn't that good. Four for 20 between the two of them. And we absolutely smacked them. Destroyed. Eviscerated. Took them out back. No shot of whiskey needed. Beat down. In TD Garden. Only their second loss of the season. Now, before we really break down the game, I have to say, I think this was more of the Celtics being ass than us being good. I'm sorry to say. I don't want to be a party pooper, but I think that's truly what it was. Boston, they have a really bad habit of making the game very difficult for themselves. They generate a ton of open threes. They always have. And with Chris Depp's Porzingis being a stretch five, pick and pop five, he's only going to help that. Drew Holiday, he's only going to help that. The problem is... And it's been the problem for many years. And it has honestly nothing to do with the coach. Although I think Missoula actively encourages the way they play. They fall way too in love with jump shots. I'm sitting here watching the game. We're switching one through four. So you're getting a lot of isolation situations for Boston. And they just settle. They, everything is beyond the three-point line. Iso or pick and roll. With the defense staring at you. Ten eyes on you. There's no movement. There's not much motion. There's no aggression. There's no catching in the mid post. There's no, you know, mid-range mastery. I mean, I like Jason Tatum a lot. I'm one of his biggest advocates. But I'm going to keep repeating this, Boston fans. There's a reason I don't watch. I'm not paying attention to the Celtics all that much anymore after the first 10 games. The questions for the Celtics are all going to come in the playoffs, or the answers, I should say. But the problem with them is they play way too much ISO behind the three-point line, 10 eyes on them. And Jalen Brown, he was in peak, like last year, game seven, can't dribble with his left-hand mode. He was horrific. Like, could not make a shot, throwing up bullshit. And you know what's crazy? It's like when the Celtics got punched in the face and they weren't making shots, they just kind of laid over, died. 
We were killing them on the boards. And we don't usually kill teams on the boards like that. We ended up only getting six more, but we had 15 offensive rebounds. It's funny that they had 18. You know, A lot of these account for garbage time, but we got a bunch of offensive rebounds. It just felt like we were the hungrier team. And you know what's crazy? We're on a second night of a back-to-back after beating Toronto's ass. It's amazing right now, the habits that we're building. As I said, we're not just building championship habits. We're making winning a habit. We're making it regular. And I expect to go into every game and win right now, besides these kind of games where it's, you know, 50-50. Their second loss at home this season, the Celtics. But the Denver Nuggets one was close. This one was an absolute beatdown. And it's funny because it actually took a little bit to get to a beatdown. We were up 55 to 39 at the half. And then in the third quarter, we blew it up and outscored them 36-21. And in the fourth quarter, it was over. Absolutely over. So as far as the Celtics, yeah, I know what Celtics fans are going to say. We missed a bunch of open shots. You're overreacting. How many years are you going to get tired of saying that? We missed open threes. We missed open threes. The issue is they have no plan B. No matter what any of these Gen Z morons want to say about today's NBA, live by the three, die by the three is still a thing to a degree. And they just just shoot too many. Here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the Celtics aren't going to have no chance of winning. I put them in the top three or four, top three probably chances to win it all. But it's not going to come down to the Porzingis and Holiday edition. It's going to come down to Tatum and Jalen Brown generating better shots. And I think that comes from getting two feet in the paint. And they have no excuse not to. Like, it didn't really feel like they tested our defense that much either. But let me just say this. Clippers, uh, let's go through the game, honestly, before we get into the third quarter massacre. So to start the game, we had Kawhi guarding Jalen Brown, Paul George guarding Derek White, Plumlee guarding Horford, Harden guarding Drew Holiday, Terrence guarding Tatum. On the other side, we had Horford on Plumlee, uh, Drew on James, and Jalen Brown on Kawhi. And, of course, they're going to switch one through four as well. I just, I mean, it just didn't feel like the Celtics did any sort of, like, mismatch hunting or try to get James Harden guarding them or Norman Powell or anything like that. It just, it didn't feel like we had to do anything that crazy. It's you know, and we went on an 11-0 run after we were down 6-9, to led by Kawhi, who was just by far the best player on the court. I mean, the way he and Paul George took over the game on both ends in the third quarter, I mean, insane. Kawhi had 12 points in the first. He was knocking down his three ball, but both teams were really bricking. And I really didn't think the defense was all that on either side. I just thought both teams were straight up bricking. And I thought something that was a little interesting was that at times, and we've seen this before, the Celtics put Jason Tatum on Plumley, So if we put Plumley in the action, they could switch that. So then as a counter, we started to put Terrence Mann in the pick and roll because Horford was guarding him sometimes. And we got him in those short roll situations. And, you know, Harden's making those really good passes. Terrence Mann's making great decisions. And don't worry, I'm going to have my say on the kid from Lowell or the man from Lowell in a second. But first quarter, Clippers led that one. 26-21. Second quarter, 29-18. Again, Celtics generating a lot of good looks. A lot of open threes. Bricking everything. No plan B, no nothing. And I got to say, the help defense, especially in the third quarter, of Paul George and Kawhi was fantastic. 
I thought we got some really good minutes from Amir Coffee playing good D. Hit that really nice turnaround when the shot clock was down to two in the middle. When he gets in the paint, two feet, Amir Coffee, he's his percentage is pretty good. I would love to see that percentage of his shots when they're within the paint because he hits. Unfortunately, Russell Westbrook didn't have the best game tonight. He was missing layup after layup, and that's become a very consistent theme. Of course, if you go back to his Laker days, you remember that as well. But, you know, those shots that he used around the basket that he used to dunk with authority, they're layups now, and he's missing a ton of them. But the one thing I'll say about our team, I don't think anybody was bad defensively. Not Harden, not Russ, not Norm, not Tice. Everybody was fine. Everybody was engaged. Again, I think it was more about how bad Boston was. And I think we just played our game. And our game is a team that's very healthy right now. I say very healthy, and we're not, actually. I mean, Zubats is out. Paul George is dealing with the groin injury. But compared to the last couple of years, we're very healthy. We're playing every single night. We're chasing a high seed. I mean, come on. These are, these are habits that we just haven't seen. This is like, I just can't stand that it took last year for you to get humbled so bad to realize that you have to build habits in the regular season and you can't just show up to the party and be like, hey, we have Kawhi and Paul George, so now everyone's going to be scared shitless of us. Like, what kind of arrogance did you guys have the audacity to have last year to, to, to act like this? We don't have Magic. We don't have Kobe. We don't have a team with any championship pedigree. We have two guys with championship pedigree. So Norman Powell and Kawhi and then a coach. No, we're the Clippers. So we need to build championship habits in the regular season. And that's exactly what we're doing this year. And I am just so proud of the team. And I'm going to keep knocking on wood. Keep knocking. Kawhi Leonard's missed four games. Paul George has missed two games. Russell Westbrook and Harden have played in every game they've been available to play. Westbrook hasn't missed one game. And I'm still knocking. I'm still mentioning it. Jinxing is for pussies. I'm still knocking. All right. Let's talk about when Harden started getting a, little, a good stretch of play in that second quarter. He got that flagrant. Uh, the landing space foul. Again, I've never seen anybody abuse the landing space foul like him. It's one of the reasons why I couldn't stand watching him play. But it's on my side, so I can't hate on it right now because it's helping us. Um, but it's every time he shoots a three, I think he's going to get fouled or I think he's going to try to look for a foul. It, it scares me a little bit in the playoffs, but I can't hate. Even with the two for 11, here's the thing about me. I am not the biggest. By the way, speaking of two for 11, Drew Holiday was also two for 11. Um, and he was 0 for 6 from three. But he, uh, James Harden had nine points, eight rebounds, seven assists. So a nice little triple single for James. Almost a triple-double again. But I got to say about Harden, man, I'm not the biggest, uh, you know, like if a guy's inefficient shooting the ball, but they're doing the right things, I don't really care. Like I really don't. I'm not the biggest efficiency guy. And wins, and wins. If, you're, if you lose and you're inefficient, that's a little different. But James Harden still did the right things, and I thought he was better defensively in this game than last night. So I got nothing bad to say. Uh, the third quarter, though, man. The third quarter. Actually, no, I got some more in the second quarter. Terrence Mann had a couple of dunks. I love the way he was elevating around the basket. Daniel Tice, we were blitzing the Tatum ball screen a little bit. Thought he did a pretty solid job, and he hit a couple of threes as well. And that block he had that led to the James Harden right-hand layup. Daniel Tice, and he blocked Derek White on that. Let's see what he finished with. Oh, my God. Talk about a homecoming game. 18 points. Seven rebounds, two assists, one steal, two blocks, and zero turnovers on eight for nine shooting and two for three from deep. Holy shit. This is the first time I've seen the box score. Are you kidding me, Daniel Tice? Tice, Tice, baby. This guy is killing right now. What a pickup. Daniel. 
Daniel. Wow. Might have to go get some Kinder from the gas station after this. Maybe some Milka or Ritter Sport if I'm feeling lucky. Maybe some Haribos también. Daniel Tice. How many Clippers in double figures tonight? We got Terrence. We got Paul. We got Kawhi. We had Tice. We had Amir. Gotta love it. Anything else in the second quarter? Let's see. Oh, yeah, the Celtics were just chucking, man. Just ch brick fest. 8-0 run to end the half for the Clippers. Terrence 3 and a PG 3. And by the way, we were up by as many as 18 in the first half. But And the, the Celtics started to throw doubles at Kawhi, too. But that fact that Kawhi Leonard almost made that shot at the end of the second quarter, I was flabbergasted that that even hit the rim. I can't, he caught the ball, he didn't even land with two feet, and he threw it up, falling into a courtside seat, and he almost, like, he shot it long. You know how strong you have to be to do that? After catching a full court pass and turning. That was insane. That was one of the most impressive misses I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> I'm being dead serious. And, but misses, they weren't very frequent for number two. And in the third quarter, we absolutely smacked them in the face. I think it was a 21-0 run, but I would love one of my mods to fact check me on that. 21 to nothing. Our defensive intensity went up a notch. Better on-ball D, better point of attack D, but I think our help defense what was what really stood out to me. Getting ready to help, being in the passing lanes. Paul George. You know, I've been talking about at times inconsistent defense from one game to the next. Overall, it's been good. But it was great tonight. Like the way he stepped into the passing lane and cut off that baseline uh, back door. I forget who made the pass, intercepted that, took a charge. Great help defense around the rim. Kawhi Leonard blocking shots at the basket, intercepting things. That outlet he threw to Paul George that led to a timeout. Yeah, it was a 21-0 run. And then, then he started just getting in his bag one-on-one. -on -one. That left elbow pull up against uh, Derek White. That dunk he had on Little Red Cornet. I mean, are you serious? And then we had, um, what's his name? The Terrence Mann Lob, the kid from Lowell. How fitting, the way he had one of his best games of the season at home in front of his family. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. And at that point, we ran away with it. It was over. Paul George and Kawhi, excellent. Norman Powell, honestly, on the quieter side. It's crazy we did not even play that well. We really didn't even play that great. And we absolutely smacked arguably the best team in the NBA. They're not the best team in the NBA. The best team in the NBA is the Denver Nuggets to me until proven otherwise. Although I will say, a couple flaws with the Nuggets this year. Bruce Brown is a big loss because Christian Brown hasn't taken that leap. And I'm starting to see Nuggets fans complain about him. That if he hasn't taken that leap, it's a problem. They're not very deep. They have Reggie Jackson in the rotation. And we know that come playoff time, that's a little sketchy. This version of Reggie. He and Murray on the court together is not ideal. I still think they're the biggest threat and the best team in the NBA until proven otherwise. But they're not last year's Nuggets because they don't have Bruce Brown and that matters. And Jeff Green too. But right now the Clippers, I mean, if the Nuggets aren't the best team in the league, why not us? I know Boston's good, but here's the one difference between Boston and us. We have Kawhi. Their best player is Tatum, and he has a lot to prove still. Kawhi Leonard just needs to prove he can stay healthy. We know how great he is. Maybe, you know what? The haters are going to say he only won that championship because Clay and, and Kevin Durant were out. I'm telling you this right now, winning a championship as the consensus best player is not easy. Only few guys in NBA history can really do it. 
okay? So that's why I don't want you to understate it. Everyone's like, oh, but the circumstance, this and that. No, you have to be a certain level of good and you have to not make mistakes. It's almost like you have to not fuck up to win a championship and be a part of the rotation. You have to be a player that doesn't make many mistakes, that knows what they're doing. Sometimes, like, I'm gonna give an example. Laker fans were bullying Danny Green like crazy in the bubble, right? But you know the worst thing he was doing? Missing open shots. And that's so okay. He doesn't do more than he needs to. He still spaces the floor and is a threat. And he still plays decent defense at minimum. Those are the kind of guys that you can win with because they're not problematic. They're not going to take away anything. Yeah, it's annoying he was missing shots. They still won for a reason. And he still was a... The funny part is, I think it's very telling that Danny Green was a starter on a championship team two years in a row and he went cold in the playoffs both years. And he still won. That tells you a lot. So that's my point, is it's really hard to win rings and to be the best player, regardless of who's injured or not. In nine, I remember, I made a video on this. In 1971, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played the, in the conference finals, the Lakers without Jerry West and without Elgin Baylor and without Keith Erickson. So three starters. And in the championship, Gus Johnson was never healthy when they played Baltimore. And it, it should have been New York in the finals, but Willis Reed got hurt. So he had a catastrophe, a catastrophe of a series, and the Bullets matched up well with them. Do we ever talk about this with Kareem? No, because he won other rings. I get it. And he's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But the point is, you can do this for a lot. Like Giannis, bro, they beat... Like James Harden got hurt. James Harden, for all we know, he could have been the third best player on a championship team or second best player on a championship team already. And I would never, and, and then I would never be saying the stuff that I said about him when we got him, about how he's a loser and he's never going to win a ring and all this stuff because he would have done it maybe, maybe. Paul George, people think he can't be a second option. What if we hadn't gotten, what if Kawhi hadn't gotten hurt in 2021? Would Paul have won as a second option? Would we have needed a third option in Harden? I mean, it's just, you got to, when you have a chance to execute and you execute, you can't take away from somebody. And I think with Kawhi Leonard, we've seen him get over the hump. And that's the difference between us and Boston. Sorry for that tangent. That's the difference between us and Boston. I love Tatum. He has a lot to prove. Kawhi Leonard gets to his mid-range. And he has a layup. He has a layup mid-range. You know, the, the all-time great mid-range players, that's a layup for them. And the thing is, you can still get that shot off. Sometimes even double-teamed or with a load-up. When the defense loads up, if they're not fully committed to that double, you're basically still one-on-one. -on -one. You can get that shot up over the top. That's why I'm always pro guys catching the ball in the elbow or the mid post. Because if you start at the three-point line, driving lanes, they can load up on it much easier and then you're forced to take a contested three. I'm for the contested midi because for some guys it's a layup like Kawhi, post specialist. So, yeah. Terrence Mann, though, I want to say this. Stands. My stands, my stands. This is why I always devalue your opinion. Because you don't know about teams. Because you're so frequently packing your bags, getting into the U-Haul, and looking for a new address. I've seen Terrence Mann from day one. I remember my friends at UMass telling me this guy from Florida State that is from Lowell is really good. But you know what the real thing that bothers me is? You guys, some real Clipper fans started listening to these people. Harden fans haven't even been here for four months. They were mad because he was in a shooting slump the second James Harden got on the team and Terrence Mann's adjusting to a slower pace. 
that he's usually a running gun kind of guy. Of course, Clippers have played slow, but he tries to push pace. He tries to get out and run. And we've just inherently had less of that since we had Harden. But our half-court offense is insane. We're the best offense in the league right now. Also, Westbrook fans, of course, want Terrence Mann out of the starting lineup so he can start. What does Westbrook, what does Mann do better than Russ? First of all, I think he's a better on-ball defender. I think Russ has been spectacular defensively this year. But I think Terrence Mann is just a more sound on-ball defender. And off-ball, I think he's just more in tune off-ball. I think he's a better off-ball player. I think he's a better three-point shooter. And we've seen that for a couple years. They're like, yeah, this is what Russ fans' justification was. Yeah, if he's not hitting threes, what's he doing better? Here's what y'all don't understand. Russ is a jack-of-all-trades player. He's always going to have his fingerprints on the game. But sometimes that's at a detriment based on the way he's playing sometimes. Terrence Manny almost never hurt you like that. He was hurting us for a bit. He was. But this is what I was trying to tell you fucking idiots. It's the first time that's ever happened in his entire career. And you want to ship him out. Why don't we ship you the fuck out? Because you're going to be out of here in a couple years anyway, you bums. Don't ever talk shit about our guy like that. You know what he did? Game 7, Dallas. You don't remember that, do you? Because he played so well in, against Utah, you don't remember that against Dallas. Game five, son Gobert. I saw Gobert with a pacifier before game six, sucking on that shit on the bench. He got bitched by his father. And then in game six, do you understand the magnitude of that night for Clipper fans? Do you understand how many ridiculous jokes we had to hear throughout our entire existence, especially the last 15 years about the second round, about Rajah fucking Bell, about that stupid game five collapse that Chris Paul was trying to get fouls and the refs called that stupid out of bounds that should have been off of Reggie. And then it gets ridiculous Josh Smith, Corey Brewer run that nothing could fall into the basket for us. And that stupid glorified summer league in Orlando that three straight games, it looked like I was watching a fucking skit. And one guy in the biggest game of his life made every open three damn near when the defensive game plan was let this guy shoot. He said, really? I'm going to turn this bitch up. You know something? You got to learn your players. His mom is a coach. He played for Leonard Hamilton. He's a multiple-year college player. He's got a good basketball IQ. His confidence just wavered. He's a very, you know, he play, he's not a young player, but he kind of still has young player tendencies. He has, very wa he has wavering confidence in his jump shot. That's the honest truth. He doesn't always shoot without hesitation. Look, Terrence Mann... I want is, is a reminder to everybody that confidence matters so much in basketball and in sports. It doesn't matter if you're a player at a peewee YMCA league, high school, a men's league. Confidence is everything, man. Confidence is everything. And you can see he was in his head. And we have people saying he forgot how to shoot. That's not... Like, that's not a, these guys are grown professionals. He didn't change his mechanics. He was, he was just cold, man. He had a, the biggest role of his career. He's finally been a consistent starter, and he was just cold. He started out the year injured. He was missing shots, and every miss got in his head. New year, same man that we remembered. 
This is why he was Mr. Untouchable. Because he just does all those little things to help you win games. It's very rare that he has terrible games. He was for that stretch. But I'm saying besides that one anomaly of a stretch this season in his whole career, he doesn't have bad games really. He, like the worst thing he's going to do is miss shots. He's going to do all the little things. How about those offensive rebounds he was getting? And that lob, how hyped he got. Good pass by Harden. Man, TD Garden was booing. Let's read the lines, ladies and gentlemen. The Celtics shot 100 shots. Wow, we're looking at like 60s numbers here. Clippers shot 102 shots. We, had, we shot 44%. Boston shot 36%. We, wow, this is insane. Both teams shot exactly the same from three. 10 for 40, 25%. But again, I didn't check like the fourth quarter stats. The fourth quarter was a complete, like, it didn't really count. The Celtics won it 36-24, but the game was in the refrigerator, as, as the great Chick Hearn would say. I mean, it was done. It was finished. Tatum had 21-11, and 11, 11 rebounds on 8-for-18 shooting, 2-for-4 from 3, and 3-for-3 three three from the line. I thought he was the only one that kind of showed up. Al Horford had a donut, a Dunkin' Donut, baby. Massachusetts' is very own. We, don't, we only have one Dunkin' out here like that. I mean, eh, there might be more now. But there was, the first one was in Santa Monica that they opened, but I remember for a while there was no Dunkin' out here. Dunks, man. Sunday afternoon dunks after the party Saturdays, man, at UMass. That was the best. <laughs> that was the best, man. Drew Holiday, 2 for 11, 7 points. Derek White, oh my God. 0 for 8. Jeez, this was a... Listen, I know the Celtics played dumb basketball a lot of times, but this was definitely an anomaly of a shooting night. Like, Clipper fans, I get it. We turned up defensively, but you got to look at things both ways. Boston still created a lot of good shots, and they're missing everything. It's not normal. 8 points for Jalen Brown. I thought he was horrific. His shot selection was terrible. 3 for 13 from the field. 0 for 2 from 3. And nobody's even worth talking about on the bench for the the Celtics. As for us, Norm played 17 minutes. Had 4 points on 2 for 7 shooting. Quieter game for him. The Brewmaster. Thought he was fantastic. 10 points. 3 rebounds on 4 for 9 shooting. But he was 0 for 4 from 3. So we'll take the 4 for 5 from 2. 2 for 2 from the line. Russell Westbrook only played 15 minutes and he wasn't great. But his defense was good. Four points, five assists, four rebounds, only one turnover. Two for nine shooting, 0 for two from three. Just missed layup after layup. And then we had Daniel Tice, who I already mentioned. Starters, Mason Plumley, he was solid. 8.7 rebounds in 21 minutes. Four for four from the field. Just being very serviceable with Zubats out. I talked about James Harden, the triple single, 9, 8, and 7. But again, for the second straight night, James Harden had the highest plus minus. And that's not a coincidence. Plus 36 but as I said, he shot poorly, 2 for 11, 0 for 6 from 3, 5 for 6 from the line. And then you had Terrence Mann, 14 points, 6 rebounds, 3 of those offensive rebounds, 3 assists, no turnovers on 50% shooting, 1 for 3 from deep. So ugh, I don't know if that's going to make the percentage better. Let's see. Going into this game, he was shooting 30%. Technically 33%, that's going to increase the percentage. So it'll probably be like, right now he's back to 30 he was at the 20, he was at 17% at one point this season. He's back to the 30s now. 30.1 as it stands. All we got it's going to probably be like 30.3 after tonight. So all we got to do is going to slowly get that up to like 35 and then we'll be chilling cuz in the playoffs he's going to shoot like 38. Watch. He is that man. He is that man. Paul George, very solid game from him, I thought. 17 points, 6 boards, 1 assist, 2 steals on 5 for 11 shooting and 3 for 6 from deep, 4 for 4 from the line. And then the man himself, Kawhi Leonard, my player of the game. He's playing as well as just about anyone in the NBA right now. And listen, like, I'm trying so hard to not get too excited 
Because, like, I just feel like I haven't reaped the benefits of having Kawhi on my team. And it's been five years. Five years, man. I feel like I'm finally starting to be used to seeing it in the regular season. But my dream was to see a sold-out playoff crowd and Kawhi Leonard going off in front of me like I saw Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. And I still haven't gotten that. But if there's any year it's going to happen, it's this one. Because we're building the habits. Like, this is what we... You need to see it in the regular season. 30 and 14, five wins in a row. We've won like 28 out of our last 35 games. No, 27 out of our last 34 games. It's crazy, man. It's really crazy. I'm just enjoying being healthy. Clippers win at 115 to 96. That's it for me in this one, guys. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Laker fans, I'm sorry I didn't get to cover your game. I will watch it, and we'll talk about it either on another episode of Dime Dropper uh, on Sunday or the Four Sportsmen. Peace out. Have a great night.